Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello, my lovey. Okay, I'm so anxious to talk about my trip to Panama. I know, and we're all anxious to hear it. So yes. we had the beginning where you got to Panama. Um, you told us a little bit about the Panama Canal um, and seeing the rivers that were man-made. Um, so you were also telling me today, earlier, about getting a hold of a tour guide and it not working out? Yeah, it worked, but it was, but here's what happened. There was this tour guide that I was trying to get a hold of. And before I even went to Panama, first of all, um, I had a lot of anxiety about this trip because um, going to a foreign country, of course, even though I do speak Spanish, you know, still was, uh, yeah, you're not familiar with, still can be stressful. The, um, so I thought it would be worth it for me to hire a tour guide, no matter how much it costs. So at least I have someone to just totally show me around the place. Well, I tried to get in touch with him and he wasn't so quick answering me back and yada, yada, yada. And finally, he um, finally answered me back and he got his, um, he showed me his tour package and I picked this uh, one tour package that I wanted. It was, um, it was like the in Indian village synagogue tour and um, I've gotten going through the the call. There's a place, there's a highway there. There's like an, a strip of um, highway called the Causeway, where it's a very nice area. There's the Bio Museum is there. The Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute is there. And there are a lot of nice things just to go around and see in the Causeway. So um, I picked that package. And according to what he sent me, it was supposed to be $250 for the day. Fine. So I don't hear from him and I don't hear from him and I don't hear from him. Finally, I get to Pam and I say, okay, so what's going on? I was supposed to, you know, um, I thought I reserved, you know, Monday and Tuesday with you on the, on the following week. He goes, oh yeah, that's going to cost, that, got, that package is going to cost $367. I go, wait a minute. He said, you quoted me $250. He says, well, let me see if I can find another couple to join us and then I'll lower the price for you. Well, he never got back to me and I said, you know what? I decided, forget it. And I sent him a message saying, sorry, I've made other plans. And um, I spoke to people, I was there. And people told me in general, you really don't need a tour guide for a lot of these things. You definitely need a tour guide for the Monkey Island and for the jungle tour and for seeing indigenous people because that's, that's like in the jungle area. And so you really need a guide for that. So I went on TripAdvisor, I did not have much luck with getting a tour, getting a ticket for a single person on TripAdvisor. Um, a lot of the tours, they will not sell any less than two tickets. They will not sell a single ticket, which upset me very much because I sent them a message saying, look, not everybody in this world, um, you know, you have, you have a lot of single people in this world. Okay. And that's very unfair for those of us who are single. But I had better luck um, getting on Viator. By a tour, the tours, um, a lot of the tours on TripAdvisor were already full. But when I went on via tour, I found a couple of tours that were not full. So I went, um, I think when I spoke to you, did we already, did I already go to Monkey Island? Yes, we talked about Monkey right. Island. Okay, right. Now, Mon that tour advertised itself as wildlife, um, wildlife uh, jungle tour. And I didn't know it was Monkey Island because the second tour I signed up for actually said Monkey Island Indigenous People whole day tour. 
So I thought that first tour I signed up, which advertised itself as wildlife, was just a, um, you know, was just maybe walking through the jungle or something and seeing various animals. But it worked out very well because that first tour I went on, the um, uh, monkeys were cooperative and they got on the boat. We got to really see them and feed them. And I'll tell you, the the, the boat ride through the, um, I think it's called the, I think if it's the Gatson River or the Gutan River. I'm getting my, you know, vowels mixed up. But going through that, you know, it's the um, Chargis, so the Chargis River and the Gatan Lake. The Chargis River, by the way, is an ancient river that's been there, you know, since the beginning of, you know, the creation of the peninsula of the Isthmus. But the Gatan Lake is a man-made lake that they dammed up for the creation of the Panama Canal. So the second time I went on the tour, first of all, I love the boat, I love boat rides. And on each of these tours, we rode on that catamaran and it was like the boat was going like this and the waves are splashing over us. The first time I went on the tour, I wore regular clothes, which got soaked to the bone. The second time I wore my Aqua Modesta bathing suit. What's the Aqua Modesta <laughs> bathing suit? Out a lot better. What? What, what kind of bathing? What kind of bathing suit is that? Aqua Modesta? It's, it's the modest bathing suit. Oh, oh, oh! It's a burkini yeah. kind it's, of thing. It's a what? No, so so in France. I don't want a bikini. A, no, a burkini. A burkini. Oh, a burkini. No, it's not a burkini. It's a, it looks like a regular dress. That's a, It looks like a regular dress. Interesting. And you wear it with um, you know, the, you put pants. You wear it. You have these water resistant pants that you wear underneath of it. But it's it's water resistant. Okay. Yeah, but if you didn't know that it was a bathing suit, you wouldn't think it was. You really mm. wouldn't. It was like a just a very nice looking dress, it's a turquoise pattern. It was very pretty. So um, it you know I'm thinking to myself, I mean I think at least I loved it. I think why do I like this so much? I mean the water's washing over me. We're afraid the boat's going to capsize. The boat's going like this or like this or like this or like this. I mean the waves are you know really strong. And I'm having a great time. I just loved it. The tour guide that came with us for the second tour was amazing. A guy named Gonzo. And he is a native Panama, Panama, Panamanian. He studied in the United States for a while. And he speaks excellent English. And he is personal friends with many of the indigenous people of the tribe that we visited. So he really knows their lifestyle knows them very well personally it's on a you know first name basis matter of fact he was telling me that when he got divorced he was 43 years old when he got divorced and he wanted to fix him up with a couple of women in the tribe do you perhaps know the name of the tribe yes it was the i think they're called wunan wunan the wunan tribe so i said to him tell me the truth i said so these people just put on the show, and after the tourists leave, they go, okay, buddy, get in the cars. Let's go back home you know, to our, <laughs> our apartments in the city. He goes, nope. He goes, I'll tell you, though. He says, the Indians in Mexico who pass themselves as being Aztecs, they are putting you on. <laughs> they are real. They're regular people that are living in apartments and houses, and they just, they just put on a good show for the tourists. And after the tourists leave, it's like, okay, buddy, in the cars. Let's go home. These people, he says, it's 52 people that live in this um little uh, area this little tribe 
and he took us actually he took us into the jungle not extensively he was a little concerned because it, he as he as he told me he says panama has two seasons wet and dry the temperature <laughs> is pretty much the same it's hot the whole year round it's very humid but the um dry season is about from um the dry season goes from December to March. And that's the really, um, in fact, he was telling me that the children of this tribe that we visited, he goes, they go to school like anybody else. He was telling me what they do is, um, first of all, they get to the tribe. We walked up this hill. They're on the, they, live on the, they live on the hill of a mountain. They live Manish, it's, it's on an incline. They live on an incline. And they live in these chicky huts. Although they're trying now, they're replacing the, found, the wooden foundations of their huts with concrete because the wooden foundations, you know, especially with the humidity and the heat and the wet, you know, does, don't hold up so well. And um, the men walk around in loincloths. The women have these beaded tops and these skirts. He told us, really, the women walk around topless. It's accepted in their tribe. There's nothing thought, you know, not immodest about it. But the problem was that he says, guys, we're signing up for these tours for ulterior motives. <laughs> so the women figured we better make these beaded tops and wear them when the tourists come. But he says, after the last little tourists leave and it's the end of the day, he says they take off these beaded tops. We had a chance to, um, they passed around these beaded tops to us so we could feel the texture and see what they were made of. Oh, they are heavy. Very, very heavy. They also, he was showing us as we were walking through the jungle. First of all, he tested the jungle first to make sure that the grounds were not too wet because he had a situation where one of the tourists that he was guiding through the jungle actually fell and he didn't want that to happen. So he came back and he says the ground was sufficiently dry enough that we could walk through. So he led us up this hill and this, it's like a mountainous area, he led us up this jungle mountain and he was showing us all these interesting plants and herbs and telling us what they were for. He showed us one plant he goes, that was on the ground. So see this, these leaves? He says, if you have any acid, if you have acid reflux, acid indigestion, any digestive problems, that's the plant. They take that, they boil it up, they drink it, and it solves all your digestive problems. He also told us, he showed us that um, when the Indians don't have any body hair, the men don't have beards that, you know, he says that's because when they start to hit puberty and they start to grow body hair, they take the bark of this one particular tree in the jungle and they put it in water, make a bath out of it. And their young people um, have to, they soak in this every day for a week. It removes all body hair permanently. And he said, as a matter of fact, he says the United States manufacturers like when the hair removal products that they have in this country, that's what they use. Although they don't use a big concentration of it because if they were to use too much of it, it would take care of your body hair permanently and then you wouldn't buy their product. So they always use just enough so that you have to come back a few weeks later and buy more. He also was showing us um, these tree fibers that the Indian women use to make these like little baskets and things. And these tree fibers felt just like plastic, like plastic straws, the same texture. He showed us, and it's meticulous. He gives some of these baskets 
He showed us a small basket, this teeny little basket that they made, and it was heavy. It was like, woo, the, the fibers were very close together. It was, it was um, woven together. And this little basket was selling for $60. He said it cost, it took this Indian woman who made it three months wow. to make the same basket. They're very meticulous. He says, the kids go to school. He says, what they do is they, in the morning, they get dressed up in their school uniforms. They go to school in the city. They get into rowboats and their parents or their mothers row them across the lake to where the highway is. And the school bus is waiting there to pick them up, to take them to school. He said, their kids are, in, some of the kids are in high school. Some have plans to go to college. They even have, um, one of the Indians there is a doctor, is an anesthesiologist who works at one of the hospitals in the city. And believe me, he said, this man makes a very good living. He, um, he says, and some of the Indians that own cars are permitted to park them at, it's the, the area where the jungle is, is called Gamboa. He says, there's something, there's a very you know, fancy hotel there called the Gamboa Resort in the jungle. And they park their cars at the Gamboa Resort, the parking lot, and then they get into their rowboats. And they, at the end of the day, they row back to the Indian tribe, walk up the hill. He says this doctor comes back to his Indian tribe, takes off, takes off his city clothes, puts on his loincloth. And he says, and this doctor told him he would not live any other way. He loves the Indian lifestyle. And I said to this man, um, to this tour guide that I can't get over um, how fit these people are. They're not emaciated, but they're fit. You can tell they're, they're muscular, the women, the girls, everybody, have, they're very good fit bodies. He says they live a very healthy lifestyle. He says, first of all, if you notice, they grow all their own food. He says they have uh, squash and corn. And um, they, if you, you probably noticed, he said chickens. Are, well, I saw, I noticed chickens running around. He says they have chickens that they use for eggs or for chicken meat. Um, he says these are free roaming um, chickens. And he says their lifestyle is very physical. He says, you see, just walking up and down this mountain hill was very, very strenuous. He says they do that all the time, every day. And they, you know, they, they fish. They, do, they eat a lot of fish. As a matter of fact, there was one tour group that paid to have a meal there. And the way that the Indians served them was they had fresh fish that they had caught and they cooked it, of course, over, you know, regular like fire. And they put this cooked fish with a cooked mango. They also have a mango tree there into this big, heavy leaf. And they used the leaf as a bowl. They, they put, you know, they put, they wrapped the leaf around and they use it like a bowl. So I asked him, I said, do they eat pork by any chance? He says, they do not raise pigs, but if they're in the jungle and they see like a pickery, like a wild boar, they do have pickeries there. He says, so they have these poison darts and these blow guns <laughs> and they will, you know, uh, kill the pig and they will, you know, they will roast it. I just felt, but I thought it was fascinating about that doctor, how, you know, these people, like, especially the kids in high school, whatever, you know, the, the, these people, no matter how educated they are, what, what professions they have, they love their Indian lifestyle. They won't live any other way. So he says they, they actually, he showed me a sugarcane plant that they have there. 
And he says, but they eat very little sugar. There's very little sugar in their diet. The diet is very, very healthy, very little sugar, and a lot of physical activity. So anyway, that was a, that was an amazing trip. Besides that, and oh, by the way, the, the, in the morning, the Monkey Island, even though I had done it before, I didn't mind doing it again. It was a lot of fun, except that this time the monkeys were not cooperative. The only monkey, the only one monkey came on the boat. And um, it was a it was the alpha monkey. Uh, by the way, the monkeys have a society where there's the alpha monkey, the male, and the other monkeys know, like the other male monkeys know not to crouch on his territory. That he gets the females that he wants. Oh, of course. And he, and he and he eats and oh by the way, he went on the boat and started eating while the uncle other monkeys stayed on shore. That's because the alpha monkey gets to eat first. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of respect for the alpha monkey. <laughs> so anyway, that was that that trip was uh, a lot of a lot of fun. Um then I went to um another one of the days. By the people were telling me that when it comes to um, any other thing other than, you know, other than the jungle tour, you really don't need to spend all that money getting a tour guide. You can take the Ubers are amazing there, by the way. You know how when you order an Uber in this country, you wait 10, maybe 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Sometimes the driver backs out and they have to find you a new driver. You order an Uber. I was in my hotel room. I ordered an Uber expecting, you know, wasn't quite ready to leave. I figured, okay, 10 minutes. Just admit a couple seconds after I ordered it, I get a I get a message. Your Uber driver is one minute away. What? Yes. I real Chris, I, I grab my stuff. I run out of my room. I jump down the steps as fast as I can to meet him outside. Oh, by the way, I want to give the hotel owner a big, big Yashikov. His name is Ron um Ron Finkelstein. And he's the owner of Aishel Suites. If you ever want to go there for a yuntif with the whole family, he has the entire first level is a whole suite consisting of like three bedrooms and a beautiful dining room and a sukkah. And it's all set up for if a whole family wants to come and spend yuntif there, there they can. Ram was excellent. Anytime there was a problem, 24-7, he makes himself available and he is there for you. His aim is to make sure that every guest has a good, positive, you know, enjoyable time there, relaxing time, comfortable time. And he he makes sure of that. He's terrific. So anyway, let me go on. So then um I here's the um I went to the bio museum, no problem. Um I took, you know, I took an Uber there. They know bio they it's on the causeway, they know the bio museum, they take you right there. It's not a lot of money. And um, uh, here, I told you the thing before what happened with the Bio Museum. Everybody told me, if you want to see the ships come in, you really need to be there between 9 to 11 in the morning. Otherwise, then you have to wait till way, way, way later on in the afternoon, like 4 or 5 o'clock. So I wake up in the morning, I dive in, I run out, you know, I get the Uber, I run out there, and there's a whole crowd of people there. By the way, to the, well, the, the section of the Panama Canal that caters to visitors, is called the Mira Flores Visitor Center. Mira Flores means um, flower view. That was Mira Flores um, is where the lock is where the Pacific lock is for the canals for the boats to come through. So, and they have they they have a museum and they have um, a movie and then you. 
go on this big deck and you can watch the boats go in and out. And they have an MC there that talks about the boats as they come through. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's like a spiel. So as a whole, I'm with a whole crowd of people. We come in and one of the employees were, this is a roped off area, comes inside the building, comes over to us and says, we're sorry, there will be no ships this morning. We will, our first ship will be at 1.30, which we were a little curious about, about why that was, because evidently that's, um, that's like not normal. You know, that the normally the ships will come between 9 and 11. Why that happened, I don't know. She would not go into details. <clears throat> Who knows? So, um, but she says, so she says, but there is the IMAX, there's a 3D IMAX. And um, so, you know, people are you know, having a lot of groans and people turn away, they walk out of the building. So I walked out of the building, I'm standing outside, I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? Do I try to go to maybe, the Smithsonian has a um, tropical rainforest museum, a research center for uh, researching the tropical rainforest, which is on the Causeway which is not too far from the Panama Canal. Do I go there, come back, what do I do? So I'm thinking, do I get a cab, go back, you know, try to go to the Smithsonian, look it up, see what the hours are. And then I thought, you know what, I'm here, I'm here. You know, I'll go to the restaurant, I'll see what they have, anything kosher, and I'll go to the IMAX and you know, so on, you know, I'll just hang out here. So I go, to, I, somewhere that I buy my tickets. I ask them, by the way, for Panamanian residents, the museums are very, very cheap. For people who are not Panamanian residents, a little more expensive. Like, for example, Panama Canal for a resident would be maybe $10. By the way, they accept American currency. You don't really have to change your money. It's great. They accept American currency. They accept credit cards. They're terrific. So I thought to myself, um, I thought, so I thought to myself, uh, you know what? Um, I said, this is a good lesson for me. That guess what? Life, this is life. Things like this are going to happen. Not, you know, it's not what you plan. Yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, um, you know, I've got a problem with anxiety. Like a lot of us Ashkenazic Jews <laughs> do. <laughs> I thought, you know, I said, you can't go around, you know, having anxiety all the time. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to be able to enjoy things. I said, yeah, this is, this is life. And, you know, things don't go the way that you plan. So, you know, you have to accept it and just work with it. So anyway, so I said, you know, I went upstairs to the restaurant. And lo and behold, I find the restaurant is Coffee Bean. And there's this big sign with their hatcher. I go, oh, boy. And so... Um, I get a nice big uh, coffee with my oat milk and I sit down at the table and I listen to uh, Rabbi Kaplan Mist of the Day. I um, play a few rounds of chess on my app, on my phone. And by that time, it's time to see the movie. So I go and, you know, everyone, everyone's invited. They, they announce the movie. Everybody goes and they watch the, you know, 3D movie. 3D movie is amazing. It's really good. It's about the whole history of the canal. And there's a scene when they talk about um, the scientist, the doctor. It wasn't Walter Reed. Walter Reed was the one who um, discovered that the Aedes aegypti 
spread yellow fever. Um, it was another doctor, his name began with, a, I think, a G, who um, did research and on the uh, then the, on the on what was going on in the canal because you know people were dying like they had a lot of workers that had died when the French but the French were the ones that tried to to put in the canal first to build the canal <laughs> and the reason the French did it was because they had just successfully put in the Suez Canal so they figured if they can do the Suez Canal they can do the Panama Canal well what they didn't realize the Suez Canal they were working with sand and land that was a lot softer. So with the Suez Canal, they don't have locks. They just, you know, leveled the land and that was it in the two bodies of water connected and that was the end of it. They tried to do the same thing with the Suez, with the Panama Canal. The problem was the Panama Canal, the isthmus was very mountainous and hard rock mountains. And they tried blasting them away with dynamite. They tried digging and blasting. It did not work. And to make matters worse, they thought they, a lot of the French, about 20,000 French workers died of both malaria and yellow fever. They thought at the time that the reason they died was because there was some sort of bacteria in the soil that they were working with that might've killed them. It was this doctor then right before the United States started the work that found out it was a mosquito. So this is a 3D movie. So they're showing these mosquitoes flying around and you can, it looks like the mosquitoes are flying right at you. So people in the movie theater are going like this. <laughs> they're trying to like push away the mosquitoes. Yeah, the 3D mosquitoes that are yeah, coming towards us. And when they realized it was the mosquitoes, so what the United States government did was they drained the area of swamps. They totally drained the area and that took care, for the most part, of the mosquitoes. Then they realized that they couldn't do what the French did. They couldn't just level these mountains. It was impossible. That's when this engineer, I think his name was, his last name was Stevens. He was the one that came up, which was revolutionary at the time, which was like cutting edge, the idea of the locks, putting in the locks that would open and push, and the water would, go in and raise up and raise the ship up and the ship would slow through and then the lock would go down, would bring the ship down. And so that's what they did. And of course the rest is, you know, history. So then by that, so in the meantime, after I saw the movie, I come back into the restaurant and I'm looking around, it's very crowded. And I can't find a place to sit. And I see this small family. It's a husband and a wife and an elderly, not an elderly, but an older middle-aged woman, we'll put it that way. We turned out to be the same age as we were talking. And I asked them, of course, you know, they didn't, they barely, they didn't speak much English. Uh, they spoke a little bit of English, you know. Um, the, the the wife, the young wife had learned English a little bit in school and then Duolingo, like I did, you know, school and then Duolingo. And so I asked if, they could, if I could sit there with them. It was the only chair that was available. And they said, yeah, they were nice. And so I sat down and we, we had a very wonderful conversation. They were telling me about a trip they took to the United States last year. They went all the way, Miami, because I was originally from Baltimore. They go, oh, Baltimore. I go, you know Baltimore? They go, yeah, they, they stayed there overnight. They said, because so they, they drove from Miami to Orlando, um, up 
to Washington, D.C. Then they stayed overnight in Baltimore. Then they took their car up to Philadelphia, then New York. Then they came back down the United States. They went to Nevada, Texas, Nevada. They went to the Grand Canyon. And they were showing me their pictures that they took of the Grand Canyon with them standing there. And so I said to them, this is amazing. I said, you've seen more of the United States than I have. Um, so we, you know, like I said, it was very, it was very nice. We all spent, a, it was a very pleasant, you know, time. And before we knew it, it was 1.30. And they made the announcement the ships were coming through and people could go on deck. So you come out, there's three layers. There's three layers of um, observation deck. There's one right next to the canal. Then there's one higher up with bleachers and there's one way at the top. And so I went to the top. The top gives a better view. And they were explaining about how the ships come through um, that internationally, you cannot, um, an ordinary uh, captain cannot steer the ship through the canal. It has to be, it's very narrow. The sides of the ship are just like two feet away from the edges of the sides of the, of the sides of the, um, where the locks are. So you have to hire a specially trained pilot who knows precisely, who's been specially trained in how to navigate the ship through the canal. And so it showed um, there was also these uh, small trucks, small, iron, very heavy iron trucks, um, metal trucks, they call them mules. And because it used to be real mules that would do this, but now these, you know, the, and these trucks have, has, have lines that go to the ship and are able to help direct the ship through this narrow passage of the canal. By the way, the water, the way that the water fills up, the locks, when the locks open, the water fills up, does not use pumps. Never did, never will. It's totally water pressure that goes back and forth. Totally water pressure. When the ships, oh, by the way, when the ships pass through, the guy, the, they had different announcers. The last, I spent, I loved it. It was, I was so fascinated with it. I spent the entire afternoon there. Just, I ate my lunch. I was just watching the ships come through, just eating my lunch and just watching how interesting it was. These ships are huge. Oh, the funny thing was they get these big oil tankers or these big ships that are carrying like hydrogen and propane. And you see at the top of the ship, a big, big in big letters no smoking like no kidding buddy <laughs> you're carrying this explosive stuff no smoking so then the crew comes out and the announcer says hey everybody wave hi to the crew call out and everybody Woo! everybody waves to the crew so i i blew a kiss to to one of the crews who were coming through and one of the crew blew a kiss back to me <laughs> The crews come out, they wave, they cheer, you know. And this announcer was so funny. He was uh, he was actually interviewing people. He was saying, "Hey, you know," he was he, he said, "Hey, the lady over here in front of me, you know, wearing the red dress. Where are you from? South Carolina. Oh, I love South Carolina." And then I had to leave the area, and after I left the area, I hear him say to this one couple, "Hey, where are you people from? You from Israel? Israel's a great country." And then there's a pause, and he goes. Oh, he goes 770 Eastern Parkway. Yay! That's here for 770 Eastern Parkway. <laughs> and so after that, you know, so now, um, that was that was the end of my day. So I go back to my room and I decide, you know, I, I'm really, I've got some food that I could eat, but I really want to sample some of the restaurants. And that's when I got my anxiety kicked in. I said, it's dark outside. 
And one of the, I hate to say it, this is really sad, but one of the big drawbacks of Panama that they could do better with, their sidewalks are in horrible condition. I, in fact, I, I talked it over with one of the native pa Panamanians there, one of the cab drivers, and he agreed. He says that a lot of people complain about it. He says, he says that the, you know, he says it makes it difficult for if people want to walk to work or if people just want to take a stroll. He says it makes it very difficult. So I decide, come on. I said, then, I, think, I said to myself, you're going to be a big girl. You're going to go out and you're going to see the sights and you're going to go to the restaurant like a big girl. Now, won't you? And I go, yes, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to face my fears. I'm going to do this. So I go out. And it's dark, and I'm walking, and I'm looking very carefully at the sidewalks, really carefully. I finally um, get to, I cross the street, and I see where there's this Pacific, it's called Pacific Center. And the Pacific Center is on this side, on, on to the right, as you look at it. And then to your left is a parking lot, and after the parking lot are the kosher restaurants. So I decided, let's go to this Pacific Center and just walk around. You know, because I'm curious. Let me just see what the shopping was like. You go into the shopping mall, and as you come in, there's a small ice skating rink. I thought to myself, should I try the ice skating rink? I thought, mm, my arthritic knees are acting up today. No, I don't think it's a good idea. I go up to, they have three levels here. I go up to the third level. The third level has the super kosher store. You can see it on YouTube. It is the most amazing. It's huge. Every single bit of kosher food or Judaica or kitchen equipment that you could possibly want is there. And so I'm, I'm walking around, I'm browsing around. And as you know, I don't know if I put it in the other podcast. Um, oh, yeah. I bumped into a lot of Jewish people that I know from the United States, by the way. That's how you know it's a deal. <laughs> Well, what happened was, okay, well, yeah, what happened was when I spent Shabbos there, I spent Shabbos at Chabad, which was just a, about a block away from um, where my hotel was. And I come into the Chabad Center for, you know, Friday night services and meal. And who do I want to run right into? Um, your brother in law's uncle, Bruce. Cute. And he goes, We're looking to the, I go, wow. And he tells me, he says to me, were you at the bio museum this morning? I go, yes. He goes, he saw me there. And he said to his partner, my goodness, that woman looks just like Zalka Angster. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That Panamanian woman, you know. So he, so he, I go over, so he goes, I, he goes over, he sits at his table, and I come over to his table to talk to him. Guess who is sitting next to him? Cousin. Rabbi Fuchs and his wife, the principal of TA. Yep. <laughs> Cute. Well, he's not a principal anymore. He was. Oh, he was. Oh, I thought he was. I, I haven't been keeping keeping up. So anyway, so when I'm at this kosher store, so to make to make matters even more, I'm at this kosher store. I see this woman shopping. I said, that woman looks just like the Rebbitson from our show here in Florida. And we look at each other and I go, you know, she goes, Zalka. What are you doing? She says she and her family decided to come here for a few days vacation. <laughs> so let me talk about the kosher restaurants now. They're interesting. 
Um, okay. The kosher restaurants that are around our area, one's called Fuego, mm -hmm. which is, it's very nice. It's like neat. It's deli. It, you can get a deli sandwich. You can get a hamburger. Um, the, then there's one called Aroma, which is milchik. It's not called Yisrael, but you can get fish there. I didn't sample that. But the one I went to was called Yas Burger. And that was really good. They have all these different, like a French hamburger with, um, uh, with French onions on it and the sauce and everything. And I had a soup there. If you get, if you go to Yas Burger, everybody get the ramen soup. I have never tasted a soup like this before. And it was delicious. It's with ramen. It's Asian. It's with ramen noodles, um, scallions, all sorts of herbs and vegetables and um, three minute, not totally hard boiled eggs, but those three minute eggs, that's not totally hard boiled, but it's just just enough to be tasty. They that was also floating in the in the soup. I'd never tasted soup like that before. It's really good. So please get the ramen soup. That was really good. So anyway, um, no worries. We have two. We have about like two and a half minutes left. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's basically um, that was no. What okay? One more thing I want to go to very very quickly. I visited the old city called Casco Viejo. Viejo. Mm -hmm. Again, watch those sidewalks, man. They've got holes in them. They have a lot of museums there. They have uh, that this beautiful square you can see. They also have this beautiful staircase where you go up the staircase on one side. When you're at the top, you have a beautiful view of the mountains and of the Pacific Ocean. And then when you go back down the staircase on the other side, you walk through this little marketplace, which is under this beautiful canopy that's covered with vines and flowers. So you should definitely visit Casco Viejo. There's a nice kosher restaurant there called um, La Lune, which is, which is a Baruch Hashem, very conveniently there. And um, I told you about the story about the man who tried to sell me these drugs. No, you didn't tell me that. Okay, I was sitting in the square, and this man comes over to me, and he says to me in Spanish, he says to me in Spanish, I'm honest. He goes, I'm honest. I'm a good Christian, just like you. I go, I'm not Christian. I'm Jewish. He goes, oh, even better. And then he <laughs> says, I have these pills I want to sell you, and they're very good for you. They'll help with your digestion, with your health. And I said, uh, no, thank you. I'm not about to buy pills off the street that are supposed to make me feel good. <laughs> yeah, buying, buying something... Uh, uh... Buying some random drugs off of some random guy in Panama doesn't seem like the most, you know, safest <laughs> route to take. But, but um, take, go ahead. No, I was saying, oh, no, you, you seem like you had a good time. It seems like you really enjoyed yourself. Baruch Hashem. Um, the first, like I said, the first day there, a lot of anxiety. The first day, different country, different place, not knowing where to go, what to do. But, mm -hmm. you know, you talk to people and they, you know, you get advice and they tell you what, what the best place are to see and you, um, and eventually, you know, it's, uh, Baruch Hashem, just after that first day, I had a, I had a wonderful time. That's good. That's really, really good. Time. All right, man. I love you. Have a okay. good job. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please comment and subscribe on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it, and my mother would too.